Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. Join me, your host, Alexia Gordon, as I chat with authors writing cozy, traditional, and historical mysteries. You won't find explicit sex or graphic violence. You will find intriguing authors and quality fiction. Thanks for listening. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. I'm Alexia Gordon, author and host of the podcast. My guest today is Joanna campbell Slan, author of Shipwrecked, a Caramia Delgado mystery. Welcome, Joanna. Hi, Alexia. Shipwrecked is your eighth Caramia Delgado mystery. Would you please introduce us to Kara and tell us what she's up to this time out? I sure would be happy to. Caramia Delgado, that's kind of a mouthful, isn't it? Caramia Delgado's parents died within six months of each other, and her son went off to college about the same time. So Kara hopped in a car, and she drove to Florida where she had car trouble. She wound up having to stop, and impulsively, she bought a building that she was told was vacant, but inside was a dead body. So Kara has decided to turn that building into a shop called the Treasure Chest, and it's basically a trash-to-treasure store. Kara is spunky, like all my heroines. She's creative and inventive, and she's surrounded by a wonderful group of women friends. Now, how did you decide that uh, a shop the treasure chest was a, a good career or, or second career for your for your sleuth. I live in Florida, and there are shops like that all over the place. A lot of people come to Florida. They bring all their northern furniture and north, northern decor accents with them and then realize that they don't really fit in Florida, that the vibe is different. So you can walk into all these little interesting junk shops and find the most amazing assortment of things. I thought, you know, this is a really cool idea is where can you take this stuff and what can you do with it rather than just consigning it to the trash bin? At the same time, I was doing a lot of beach combing. And I was always picking up things off the beach. And I was curious as to how we could do better ecologically recycling things. So all of that came together. And I thought that that would be an interesting premise for a store. And you, you mentioned the, the Florida vibe. Can you tell us a little about the the, the vibe in, in your setting? Is that, I mean, I don't know a lot about Florida, but I, I, I know that it's not all Disney. Well, come on down, Alexia. I'd be glad to have you as a guest. Um, Let's see. What can I tell you about Florida? I can tell you that in Florida, we eat gators and we get eaten by gators. And there was even a young man who threw a gator through the drive-up window at McDonald's. No, it was a Wendy's. It was a Wendy's. I guess they got his order wrong. So it's it's just the most bizarre place in the world. It's, I don't even know how to describe it, except 
I grew up in the Midwest where people are pretty much hardworking, nose to the grindstone. They're very logical, but that all goes out the window in Florida. There's just this, um, I don't know, it's the tropical sun or something. Um, for example, you'll call a plumber and he won't get back to you for two weeks because he went surfing. <laughs> and that's that's considered normal. Or, or he, he went fishing or he went hunting pythons in the Everglades. It, it's just this kind of, kind of, it's almost like some sort of fantasy world. And you have mansions and compounds. Tiger Woods is my neighbor. I was almost run over one day by Celine Dion when she was turning around in my neighbor's driveway. But then you have people who live in trailer parks. And you there's a man near the CVS store who lives in a trash bag. And he, when I'm in line to pick up my drugs at the drive through thing, he'll come over and he'll hand me a flower. So it's, it's just the, it's the best and worst of all worlds. So how could I not write about it? Well, it, it sounds like the guy with the least is the uh, kindest of the lot. I mean, he didn't try and run you over. Well, that's true. Although Celine did apologize. It, but it is true. He, when he came over to the car, I thought, okay, should I be worried? And he holds out this flower and he said, this is for you. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is such a lovely thing. And it was just a reminder that it's so easy to judge people. And it was it was a good kick in the pants for me. No, I mean, I, I might be judging the guy who threw the alligator through the uh, drive through window a little bit. and But mostly I'm trying to imagine, how do you throw an alligator? You know, I'm not really sure how he did it. It was a small alligator. Um, and they're much more prevalent than you would think. Um, in fact, all the flora and fauna is much more prevalent than you would think. Since I've lived in Florida, I've seen um, a bobcat, a coral snake, a possum that was, we caught it in a trap because we were trying to catch, what was it? We were trying to catch um, a raccoon. Uh, and I've seen armadillos. So occasionally alligators will just cross the road. You'll be driving down a, a little country road and all the cars will come to a stop. And I've learned just to chill because it's an alligator crossing the road. And alligators come in all, all sizes, Alexia. I don't know if you know this, they don't start big, they start little, and then they, they might even be appealing to some people. And then the other thing that happens that's really kind of cool and kind of weird is when the temperature gets cold, lizards fall out of the trees. They can no longer hang on. So you'll be walking down the street and a lizard will just fall out of the tree onto the ground, stunned. So then you take them home and you warm them up and send them on their way. It's just this really, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I guess if you don't like critters, it's not a good place to live. Now I'm imagining someone using a, a frozen iguana as a murder weapon. Oh, Alexia, that's such a good idea because you could whop somebody up the side of the head. But actually, what would be a better, 
murder weapon might be the bufo toads, which actually bufo is Latin for toad. So actually it's a toad toad. These suckers are, um, they look like Java the Hutt. I saw one that was about three pounds and they squirt poison from behind their ears. Oh. Yeah. It's a neurotoxin, I think. Um, I don't think that it can really hurt a human, but it can kill a dog. But I imagine if you collected enough of it, you could probably do some damage, wouldn't you think? Uh, probably. <laughs> or if you had a, a reaction to the neurotoxin, right? Yeah, I don't think you should try and find out. <laughs> no. I'll tell you what, when you go to catch one of those, because if it's in your yard, you don't want it to get your, your dog, you know, um, uh -huh. they are strong. Anything that weighs three pounds and hops at you, it's like a nightmare. I had nightmares about them. It was awful. Yeah, well, the, I'm, I'm hoping the snow crabs that you mentioned in your book are a little less uh, or a lot less terrifying than the uh, than the toad toad uh do they do they really change colors uh, um, i i mean i'm like kara i didn't know what a snow crab was oh ghost crab you mean a ghost crab, ghost crab sorry ghost yeah, crab yes sorry that's okay um yeah they do they they change colors some the funniest thing about them is that they blend in with the sand so well that you won't even realize you've almost stepped on one till all of a sudden it goes racing past you it's also fun to be in florida at crab mating season because they get very militant and uh -huh. the little crabs will come out and they will stand in the middle of the, of the road, waving a claw at you as if to say, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> Bring it on. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> well, there's, there's, there's one critter you talk about in your book that I know is not actually a critter, although I guess maybe that depends on your point of view. What's a snowbird? <laughs> well, I think some some native Floridians, of which I am one, I was actually born in Florida, consider snowbirds uh, an invasive species. <laughs> snowbirds is is somewhat of a pejorative term for people who who come down during what's called season, which is anytime there's not going to be a hurricane, and then live in Florida just a brief while and then go back up north. And the locals love to complain because the snowbirds come down with a bit of an attitude. They're like, okay, I'm on vacation. Everybody clear out because I'm here now. And I don't want to stand in line. I don't want to wait. So it can be kind of stinky. I'm, I'm just imagining a ghost crab versus a snowbird. My money would be on the ghost crab. You know, that's a very good point. That's... Yeah, uh, I don't think that a lot of the snowbirds actually want to interact with the uh, ghost crabs. I remember my husband's aunt came down with her boyfriend. They were both in their 80s in a rental car. And they were leaving us after an, a lovely evening and it was dark. And <laughs> the boyfriend got in the car. And as I said, he was 80 and it was a rental car. And he inadvertently locked all the doors. And oh. about that time, a crab came running up, and my aunt <laughs> screamed. She just kept running in circles around the car, screaming, saying, unlock the door, unlock the door, unlock the door. And he kept hitting buttons, and, you know, the lights went on, and the horn beeped. But um, it took him forever to hit the, 
door button. And I was laughing so hard. I wasn't my fault. Not that I could have done anything. I mean, I couldn't have reached past him and grabbed the button, but uh, we still talk about that to this day. <laughs> See you <Olympic. laughs> at their finest. It, it, it sounds like uh, Florida is a uh, never ending stream of things that could possibly be an inspiration for for an author. Uh, were, were some of the names that you chose for characters, they inspired by things in Florida? You have very interesting names like a Sky Blue, Caramia, Bippy. Excuse me. Um, Bippy, I don't remember how I came up with Bippy. Sky Blue was the name of a yoga teacher. Excuse me. <laughs> Oh, bless you. It's not so hard to choke myself. Oh. Uh, I did. Um, I do have some friends in Florida whose names appear as real people in the, in the books. Huh. He was now, a did, partner did, did at Deloitte. know that? <laughs> yep. He was a partner at Deloitte, and he wanted to be a porn star in my books. Okay. <laughs> I pointed out to them that until he was retired, that probably wasn't a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I can just imagine someone uh, bringing up his uh, character inspiration at a, at a board meeting. He was perfectly fine with it. He thought it was a great idea. But um, I felt this, this moral obligation as his friend not to let that happen. So... <laughs> Yeah, that all kinds of crazy things happen there, and it's just a wonderful, ongoing inspiration. I love it. I have a friend who has a five-carat diamond ring, and I was driving her to catch a private jet. By the way, if you don't know, because I didn't know, those who take them all the time call them PJs, not private jets. I did not know. So I drove her to get the PJ. Haha. Uh-huh. She's getting ready to board. There's a flight crew of two. She looks down and says, Oh my gosh, I left my ring in the bathroom of the rental house. <laughs> and I okay. said, Oh. And she said, You'll have to go back and get it. I said, Sure, no problem. I'll get and I'll FedEx it to you. And she stared at me because a Brinks truck had actually dropped that ring off when she got it. Um, <laughs> so I, I immediately realized my mistake. I said, I guess uh, not, no to the FedEx. She goes, you've got to get it. And you've got to call me while I'm in the air because my husband's going to kill me if he finds out that I left my five carat. No, I'm sorry. I said it was a five carat. It was a thir- it's a 13 carat diamond ring. I I said five because I figure it was probably worth five million dollars. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I hurried back to the house, found the diamond ring, and I slept with it under my mattress for a week until she could fly back down there. And I remember <laughs> Alexia lying there and thinking, I grew up in a house in Vincennes, Indiana where my parents had trouble making a $50 a month rent check. And I'm lying on this mattress and underneath is a 13 carat diamond ring. What in the world? 
She's very lucky you were her actual friend. Well, you know, I thought a lot about it and there was a part of me that was really kind of nervous. I was like, if something happens to this while it's in my care, what am I going to do? And I thought of all these these plots. I mean, what if I got to the rental house and someone had beaten me there and taken the ring? And what if it was a setup, you know? <laughs> oh, that's true. Uh, be framing you for uh, the theft for of that. the $13 million yeah. ring. Yeah. I mean, it was just the wildest thing. I mean, wow, it was it was crazy. So yes, there's it's a constant stream of weird, interesting things that happen, and I don't have to go very far for them to happen. <laughs> now, one kind of weird, interesting thing that you talked about in the book was a, a murder tour. Uh, there was they were. Uh, talking about to, whether to do a paranormal tour or, or a murder tour. So are there right. real murder tours in, in Florida? I'm sure there are. I have not been to one um, there. I've heard that there's some in St. Augustine. Um, but I had recently been to Savannah and been on one. So I thought, well, you know, that would be a cool thing for them to put together. So I don't know of one. Maybe that'll be a second career for me. <laughs> How how was the uh, murder tour in Savannah? Um, I think it depended a lot on the tour guide, and our tour guide was kind of a grumpy old man. And I remember oh. we all sat there and looked at each other and thought, "Yeah, this isn't near as much fun as we thought it would be." But I also went on one somewhere else. I've been on one in Charleston, and that was pretty good. I think a lot of that is tour guide dependent. That's true. Yeah. The person, the person presenting the murders, uh, can definitely make it a a good or a bad experience. Yeah, they have to have a bit of flair, you know, acting and um, and all that. And this guy, I think, I almost wondered if the real guy couldn't make it that night, and we got the team. But um, he was too grumpy and too scary to ask. So. Were you you wondering maybe if he was responsible for some of the murders on the tour? Um, You know, I I think Drew Ann Love was with me on that tour, and she actually felt she saw a ghost while we were on that tour. So I don't know. I suppose Uh that person could have been coming back to taunt him or he could have dumped us or fortunately there was, there were enough people there that it it would have been kind of an obvious um, crisis point. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe that's why he was grumpy. He was being haunted. Well, I'm sure he was grumpy when he got the tips from us because they were pretty skimpy. Uh, another thing in your book that I wondered if was uh, inspired by uh, a real life uh, uh, artist, you were talking about the, the Highwayman paintings by Al Hare. Was was there really an Al Hare? And, and did you uh, have oh, I'm so a glad you famous that series up. of paintings? Yes, the Highwaymen were 26 African-Americans who were largely self-taught by a man named Bacchus, Beanie Bacchus who was white, and they began painting landscapes, vanishing Florida landscapes. And at the time, they would paint them on whatever was at hand, whether it was masonite or dry 
drywall. And they actually sold them out of the trunks of their car up and down the highway. Oh. Hence the name Highwaymen. And they okay. sold for as little as $25 a painting, sometimes with the paint still wet. There were 25 men and one woman, Marianne Carroll. Marianne just recently died. I think it was two years ago. Well, today their paintings are worth tens of thousands of dollars. Wow. Al Hare was one of the most talented of them. And he was, uh, the guy must have just been like a natural born genius when it came to painting. Unfortunately, he was in a juke joint and got into a fight and was stabbed to death. So he was one of the first ones to die. But right now they're all in their 80s, past their 80s. And so they are slowly dying off. So their work just keeps going up and up in value. And I actually um, first saw their paintings at a friend's house and then did some research into it. And I found two paintings in one of those junk shops, like I told you about, behind a bunch of junk. And I bought them. Good for you. What a find. I know. I was so impressed with myself. It it was really cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Uh Wow. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's great that, you know, folks can uh, learn some, some true Florida art history in, in your books. And uh, another thing that I, I've recognized as being uh, based on something real is uh, there's one point where Kara recites uh, the prayer of Julian of Norwich, and you combine it with a sage, a saging ritual, which I thought was interesting. Is it, you know, the Roman Catholic mm-hmm. prayer with a, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not saying new age in a pejorative Smudging. way, but I'll say mm-hmm. non, non-Roman Catholic uh, mm-hmm. tradition. I mean, did, did, um, did you base that on a real experience or did you just find a creative way to combine sort of those, those two spiritual religious aspects? Well, I really love the prayer of Julian of Norwich, who Julian was actually a woman, as you probably know. And it's funny because most of the time when people look at that, they think it was a a male saint. And I love the prayer and all will be well and all will be well and all will be well. It's a great mantra to repeat if you don't have any Xanax at hand, which sometimes that happens. You get caught unaware. So um, I also have a psychic friend who uh, introduced me to Sage. And, and smudging the house. And the house that I live in in Florida is called Sea Spray. And when the psychic friend came to the house to do a reading, she said, there is this lovely purple aura around you and this house. And everyone who comes to Sea Spray says, this is the most peaceful, tranquil place. And whenever anything unhappy happens in the house, or we there's a disagreement i get out the sage and smudge because i think that um i I think that wherever we put our energy that's going to multiply and come back 10 times over so if i put my energy into forgiving and wanting the best and cleansing healing thoughts um whether it's going into a church and kneeling and praying, going to a synagogue and and praying um, or smudging. It 
it's all part and parcel the same thing. Well, I, well, I, I certainly hope this podcast episodes puts energy into people buying your book. So where can they buy a copy of Shipwrecked? Amazon. <laughs> that great mythic river, Alexia. It's Amazon. <laughs> okay. God bless Jeff Bezos and his trusty troop of people. Um, love it or hate it. Um, yeah. Everything that I write is available through Amazon and happily so. That's about all I can keep up with. <laughs> okay. Are there any uh, local Florida bookstores or anything that uh, folks might want to check out and ask them to, to order a copy? Um, I suppose the Vero Beach bookstore, um, but Murder on the Beach was like my home bookstore and that recently closed. So, oh, right. Yeah. So sad. it's sad, but that's the way of the world. And um, we just have to, you know, the world keeps changing. It'll change again and things will be different again, won't they? That's true. It will change um, and we'll all have to see what comes next. And speaking of which, what's next for you? Uh, is there going to be book nine or a different series or? Uh, well, something? I write five different series. And so um, I'm currently working on Kiki Lowenstein book number 17. And it's been a real booger because I started it and then I got COVID and then I got bronchitis and then I got a sinus Ugh. infection. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. So I figured this has been my year to get all that out of the way. So I'm a little, I've, I've struggled a little bit with it because I just could not get my headspace right. Um, and all of my books this year will be out in audiobook format. All 18 oh. of, the, of the Kiki books. Right, we'll be starting, and I I think they'll be they'll be finished by next year in audio format. All eight of the Karamia books are now available in audio format. All four of the Jane Eyre books are available in audio format, and I've started a new series called the Friday Night Mystery Club. It's set in Decatur, Illinois, the armpit of the world, <laughs> in 1986. And it's about a group of women who love mysteries and read them and and um, believe in justice. They're they're a little bit like a vigilante group, but that's based on my life in the eighteen in the eighteen sixties. I'm old, but not that old. In the nineteen sixties, <laughs> in Decatur, Illinois, and uh, it's been really cool to go back to that Alexia. I had forgotten that my whole life once was was either great or bad, depending on whether I had a good pair of pantyhose to wear. <laughs> and they're probably, they're probably young listeners are like, pantyhose, what are pantyhose? What in the world is a pantyhose? I know, I know, but yeah, that used to determine whether or not I was having a good day. Well, anyone listening who doesn't know what they are, Google it and then uh, listen to the audiobook uh, to figure out how it's a, uh, uh, relates to whether or not you're having a good or a bad day. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> That's something we can we can hopefully safely leave in the past, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and and how can uh, how can readers connect with you if they want to find out more about uh, either your Caramia Delgado series or your other series and, and what you're up to next? 
All they have to do is Google my name or go to www.joanna. That's Joanna like banana, J-O-A-N-N-A, slan, S as in Stephen L-A-N, S-L-A-N. Um, slan, slan. Yep, slan like can. Yep, I married a four-letter word. <laughs> well, thank you very much for, for chatting me with me uh, this evening, uh, Joanna. It's been wonderful having you here. Alexia, it's been a delight. Let's get together real soon. Absolutely. But no alligators are invited. <laughs> oh, Alexia, you're such a spoil sport. <laughs> you, can, you can bring a bufo toad if you want to, though. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll bring a chihuahua. Okay. <laughs> and thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. My guest today was Joanna Campbell-Slan, author of Shipwreck, a Caramia Delgado mystery. I'm Alexia Gordon, your host. Until next time, goodbye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. I'm Alexia Gordon, your host. Please support the podcast by leaving a five-star rating or review on whatever platform you listen on. Follow the podcast on Instagram at podcast underscore cozy, on Facebook at The Cozy Corner Podcast, and the web at thecozycornerwithalexiagordon.com. Follow me at Alexia Gordon Author on Instagram, alexiagordon.writer on Facebook, and alexiagordon.net on the web. Support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash author Alexia Gordon. And until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>